Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. Stand by for news and stuff. Well, I need to remind myself now, then, how I got here. I mean, how I got saved and on my way to heaven this Friday. Because of Kevin Mitchell. God used a teenage boy that listened to my radio program in Indianapolis, Indiana, way back in 1973. Really liked me. I liked Kevin for some reason. Nice guy. Invited me to church. I said I wouldn't go, ever. I did. I-74 Baptist Church, December 31st, 1973. A day that will live, well, for me, forever. More reasons than one. Yep, trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Thank you, Kevin Mitchell. Family man now, just a teenager then, 16. I said that, didn't I? Now he's married, kids. Isn't that something? The people that God uses to touch our lives. I'm so glad that I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Ever done that? You need to do it today. What in the world is going on? Well, he just continues to lose it. Talking about another gaffe from Sleepy Joe. <laughs> he said yesterday when he took over the White House, the presidency, that gas was over $5 a gallon. It was at max $2.39. And he appeared to have another gaffe in addition to this one. In a speech in Syracuse, New York, he told a story about where he met his first wife, the late Nalaya Hunter Biden, and alleged he quit the football team at the University of Delaware to be with his favorite woman. I married a beautiful woman. Biden said, I, I met her on spring break and fell head over heels in love with her, and I gave up a starting job of the football team in Delaware to come up every weekend because I couldn't stay away from her. Biden was a solid athlete, they say, during his high school career, but his days with the Blue Hens have been really murky. He wrote in his memoir, Promises to Keep, in 2008 that he quit football after the fall season of 1963 to focus on his studies. No, wait, what, he, he quit for studies or a woman? Which, what in the world? A little foggy on the memory. Five dollars a gallon. Wait a minute, who is that? I recognize that face. You know, the midterm elections have never been Barack Obama's strong suit. During his time in the White House, the campaign seasons of, what, 2010 there and 2014 were among the lowest points of his presidency. As Democratic control of first the House and then the Senate washed away in some of the most humbling defeats during his entire time in office. I'm not recommending for every future president that they take a shellacking like I did, said Obama, a day after the Democrats lost 63 seats in the House in the middle of his first term. I'm sure there are easier ways to learn these lessons in life. We say all of that to say this. He's hitting the, the trail. He's returning the campaign trail because he knows that the Democrats are going to take a shellacking. So you got to kind of wonder, how could somebody do this? Talking about Elon Musk and all the things that he's involved in. He's the richest person on the planet. He's the CEO of the world's most valuable automaker. He heads up a $125 billion aerospace giant. And of yesterday, the owner of the giant company called Twitter. 
And according to multimedia reports, he closed the deal last night, $44 billion. That was less than 24 hours before the deadline for today. He began his reign as Chief Twit. That's what he's known as, the Chief Twit, but unceremoniously firing at least four major executives, including the CEO, who was reportedly escorted out of the Twitter headquarters. And now you really want to take note of this, because Elon Musk canned every Twitter executive involved in banning President Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. As well as those who hid the Biden laptop story. Oh, this could really be good. Twitter? Later today, Musk is expected to address anxious employees who might be worried they're going to face the same fate. So, I guess after six months, it's a done deal, huh? And we understand, if you can't believe this deal actually happened, it has six months' worth of all kinds of stuff going on. The new owner of Twitter. We'll see where that goes. So heading on over to Lefty Looneyville for a little bit. You know, these people all across America, including those in the Biden administration, have tried to slime concerned moms and dads as domestic terrorists in Sleepy Joe himself has said of conservatives, you, for the most part, are what, semi-fascist? Guy's out of his mind in more ways than one. This thing was put in light by that, uh, oh my goodness, I even hate to mention the name, The View on ABC, Whoopi Goldberg. It was guest Senator Ted Cruz of Texas who took him to task, and rightly so, and Whoopi kind of act like, uh, oh heavens no, the left, the Dems have never done anything radical or violent. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Anyway, those who turn violent over free speech of those who are conservative apparently are indeed the leftist. Popular commentator Todd Starnes reports that the violence occurred outside a, a Turning Point USA event at USC Davis there in California. At least one conservative student was assaulted during the melee. It was a black conservative named Stephen Davis who was the keynote speaker at an event that prompted as many as 100 protesters to clash. Conservatives were beaten and doused with pepper spray. Turning Point eventually canceled the speech over safety concerns. The organization said our hearts go out to the student who was so viciously attacked, and we are truly saddened by the state of college campuses across America. Well, we should be. High school campuses across America. Speech is really violent when it's opposing ideology, but actual violence committed on behalf of radical leftists is time and time again just ignored or permitted by institutions that used to value some open dialogue. It's a part of the new America, and it is a flood of evil. Big concern up in Oregon. Gun control opponents say the ballot there, that measure is going to make their communities less safe since police agencies will be forced to fund and operate a massive permit-to-purchase program. This is the most extreme gun control measure in America, or at least one of the most extreme. That, according to the Oregon State Shooting Association, it will virtually eliminate firearm sales in Oregon as it's written now. If approved, it will require a background check, hands-on firearm training, fingerprint collection, and a permit to purchase, to purchase a gun. Police would be required to maintain an electronic, searchable database on all firearm permits. Just scary what's happening. How about this in the new America? Vermont middle school soccer coach 
Oh, and his daughter were suspended for allegedly complaining about a trans female in the girls' locker room. Randolph Union Middle School soccer coach Travis Davis was suspended without pay by the school district there in Vermont for expressing his concern, his discomfort over a 14-year-old boy, trans female, sharing the same locker room with his daughter Blake and other females as they got undressed. And I would say, as every normal person should, where is my gun? In business news, what? Mortgage rates haven't been this high in 20 years. You keeping track of everything? The rate for a 30-year fixed-rate loan topped at 7% yesterday for the first time since April of 2002. Mortgage rates have been more than doubled this year in the tandem with rising Treasury yields, sending what had been a red-hot housing market oh, below the basement. Now you'll pay $710 more a month on a $300,000 mortgage than you would have if you secured that in January. Isn't that something? Well, a day after reporting dismal, really dismal earnings, Meta, that's uh, Facebook, their shares lost nearly a quarter of their value, knocking it off the list of the 20 most valuable U.S. companies. Mark Zuckerberg's fortune has shrunk by more than $100 billion in a year. Just hard to believe, isn't it? Oh, and no question, this has got to be a part of it. Some call it Zuckerbucks. Facebook's parent company there, Meta, fined $25 million this week after a judge in Washington state ruled the company. Well, they violated the state's political disclosure laws 822 times during the 2020 election campaign. There you go, $25 million. Surprise, surprise, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the corresponding shock to energy markets is likely going to speed up the transition away from fossil fuels. That's dangerous. That's according to the International Energy Agency, and that's because this year's spike in energy prices has spurred countries to invest more in renewables. I'm telling you, going to be a disaster. So if you're one of those that's already a nervous wreck, I don't know why you would be. Thinking about November the 8th, a startup is hoping to up the ante. U.S. regulators will decide today if Calci, an event futures market aimed at retail traders, will be allowed to let investors bet on election outcomes, including the upcoming midterms. Whether election betting is approved or not, Calci already offers a number of futures trading options ranging from, uh, I mean, this is bizarre. You can bet on the New York City's monthly rent increases or a hurricane hitting Miami this year. Really? People have nothing better to... Oh, never mind. So how brave are you, really? Had you watched Matt Damon and his infamous Fortune Favors the Brave commercial... It premiered last year, and I, I saw the thing several times. How about you? Its timing couldn't have been worse. Had you been inspired to buy $1,000 worth of Bitcoin on that day, the token was then worth $61,000 near its peak price. Today, you would have $340. Another thought on Kanye West, known as Yee. He said he lost $2 billion in one day after companies ended their business Ties with him. Hmm. PSA, today is the last day you can buy I-bonds at 
and the World Series between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. That whole baseball fiasco starts tonight. Baseball fans, get yourself ready for the really big one here. And finally, who said that? It's a fact. The only way to not be swept away by all the nonsense, all the false teachings out there today is to know the Bible for yourself. Well, here's one. What do you think? When you get what you want, that's God's direction. When you don't get what you want, that's God's protection. And basically, this is your <laughs> world today. A little note sent out to everyone. My teacher told me not to worry about spelling because in the future, everything's going to be auto-corrected. For that, I am eternally grapefruit. <laughs> Where is my Bible? Life 101, right after this. Well, this is an exciting time to be alive, isn't it? I mean, so many bad things happening in the world, but my Christian friend, we can be a part of having the good news brought to a lost and dying world, sharing Jesus Christ with those all around us, family, friends, of course, Coming up with all the holidays over the next couple of months, that's fantastic as well. Get the good word out there. Oh, yeah, there's seemingly no hope. It's a disaster. We talked about this on our devotional yesterday on Hello World, but oh, there is. There is hope in Jesus Christ, and you can bring peace to people by introducing them to Jesus or taking them the portion of Scripture saying God has it all under control. Oh, I just love it. Oh, we share news right and left here on this program, but my friend, ultimately, the good news is Jesus saves. So how would you characterize your walk with God today? Is, is it one of assurance and joy? Are you happy at his continuing uninterrupted forgiveness for your sins? We need to go back there. I think often I'm talking about when you were saved. I do it a lot as a reminder of what I used to be and what I am now. Wait a minute, are you one of those that feels as if a dark cloud of divine displeasure somehow hovers over you today? You know, if you're living in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and you feel unable to enjoy your relationship with Him, it might be that a false sense of guilt is, is hampering you. The devil and his demons working you over today? The word forgive means to excuse for an offense, to release from punishment, or absolve from payment of something owed. In terms of our sin debt, the foundation for our forgiveness is the sacrificial, substitutionary, all-sufficient, get that, atoning death of Jesus. Romans 6.23 instructs us about the crucial role of divine pardon, right? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Forgiveness, then, is a matter of life and death, is it not? And we ought to take that very seriously. To understand the importance of sensing our Heavenly Father's approval, consider an earthly example. Many people, unfortunately, grow up in a home where, regardless of what they do or how well they do it, parental praise and encouragement's just not there. I wonder how many of you listening can say, been there, done that. And the result is chronic insecurity in their life, a lack of intimacy bondage that stems from wondering if their performance can ever really be adequate. My friend today, if you feel uncertainty regarding your relationship to God or somehow you believe that you deserve His disapproval, you're going to be unable to experience the intimacy and the joy being wrapped in the Father's loving embrace today. And sadly, that exact problem plagues so many of God's people today. 
Some may feel this way because they are living in disobedience, but, but too often a false sense of guilt results from not being quite sure of pleasing God. Some people think of righteousness and sin in terms of kind of a cosmic scale. They wrongly assume the good they have done will outweigh their negative conduct. Now, if that were the case, God accepted and judged us solely on the basis of our performance. Some unsaved individuals could easily outdistance certain believers with regard to those, oh, kind and benevolent deeds in life. But my friend, performance is not the basis of God's judgment. The reason we are guilty is not simply that we have committed evil deeds, we've sinned, we are guilty because of what we are, human beings born with a sinful nature. When the first man sinned against God there in Genesis 2, 16, 17, the human race became tainted with a congenital sin problem called evil nature, also known as the flesh, and it was transmitted to all of Adam and Eve's descendants, to you. That means that every person is born with a a bent. You're away from God. The truth should be obvious to everyone who has ever observed a young child for any length of time. Isn't it strange that kids have to be taught obedience but instinctively know how to disobey, how to be bad? Rebellion comes naturally to every human being. But when Christ comes into your life, the old nature is crucified and replaced by a brand new nature that is obedient to God. This does not mean you're never going to sin. We still have the capacity to do wrong. Of course you do every day. As well as your behavior patterns, it's got to be restrained. That's for all of us. However, sinning is against our new nature. It no longer fits into what we are as children of God. Isn't that true? In Jeremiah 2.13, the prophet sums up the essence of our guilt, regardless of the details of any particular wrongdoing. And there's a million stories out there today. For my people have done what? Forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jeremiah is describing reservoirs chiseled out of rock to catch water for drinking and, and for other purposes. A cistern was beneficial only after rainfall. It was useless during droughts. And if it happened to have a crack... It would prove as ineffective as a hole dug by the seashore, which is filled by the next wave but quickly empties because it has a sandy bottom. In contrast, God's living waters refers to continuously flowing water that is pure and readily available and plentiful. Living water, my friend, that is a gift of God. Jeremiah likens sin to rejecting ever-flowing fountains in favor of carving out our own imperfect, limited little basins. You know, if you refuse the Lord Jesus Christ and his boundless resources, then you're attempting to meet your needs your way based on your own powers. That's in opposition to the plan of God. Such self-reliance is the same as saying, see how deep and wide my cistern is? See many gallons of water that it can hold? I dug it with my own hands, my own strength. In other words, living apart from God is really a matter of being proud. That's a Christian problem, boy. Unbelievers are not only ones who make this arrogant error. Christ followers who have been obediently will also face situations involving lifestyle choices, conduct choices in life. And despite previous conformity to the will of God, they may now think, Lord, I, uh, I think I know what you're saying here, but here's what I'm going to go ahead and do. And they take their own path. Jeremiah was trying that when 
He went to carve out his own lifestyle apart from God. We are expending a great deal of energy to dig our own holes that got large cracks in them. It cannot meet our needs, cannot bring security, will never provide contentment or offer peace, nor can it earn the Lord's favor. We experience his blessings, not by our self-efforts, but simply by receiving what God pours out as well, a gift of living water into our lives. You know, we tend to put tremendous energy into doing things to suit ourselves, which is fundamental nature of sin, meeting needs our own way. However, it's not going to work because God designed a life in such a way that we can never be truly satisfied except by God's presence. So let me ask you, have you been expanding energy trying to dig your own cistern, carving out a lifestyle that you think will somehow bring peace and fulfillment and joy? If so, you may not be guilty of any, oh, blatant sins, like lying and adultery and stealing and gossip and murder, and you've just simply ignored God. The Lord sees that as a big sin. While he created you for a primary purpose of glorifying him, according to 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, hewing out your own lifestyle as a way of glorifying yourself, you're guilty of choosing to neglect the Lord, which is the nature of a sinful man. The only hope we have is a transformation by the grace of God. When we receive the Savior into our life, we're given a brand new nature, 2 Corinthians 5.17. This time, it goes toward God instead of away from God. When it comes to a new attitude and perspective, no longer must we operate under a cloud of divine disapproval, struggling somehow to earn God's acceptance. No longer must we strive to work harder, wondering, how much deeper, how much wider do I have to dig this thing? How large must it be? Suddenly you come to the realization, why have I been trying so hard to hew out my own abundant eternal life, which is, hey, it's a free gift. And here's something. You've probably heard it. I can't believe a loving father, your God, would ever send anybody to hell. I agree. Let me explain. You must trample over the cross of Jesus Christ to get to hell. And you also have to tread through his blood by an empty tomb over the prayers people have offered for you across the hymns that you have sung, the sermons you have heard, and the witness of others that have been born to you. You have to step on the word of God that is all around you, as well as the evidence of Almighty God himself in all creation, Romans 1.20. In other words, you have to fight your way into hell crossing all the barriers God has put in your path to keep you from a life of selfish rebellion and disregard for Him. God doesn't send people to hell. He laid down His life in front of them, and they have to deliberately, willfully choose to trample over God to get there. The problem, not your deeds, but your inherited sinful nature. Admit it. Ask God to forgive you today, not based on any promise to do better or be better, but on the basis of Jesus paying your full sin debt on the cross. You dig the well, that cistern, it's going to continue to leak. But the moment you receive Christ as your personal Savior, your guilt is canceled. You're completely forgiven, and you receive a brand new nature. John 3, 3, born again, great term. And it's God's free gift of living water. And it will flow freely and abundantly into your life. Don't stop it. And a closing thought or two, sure. When my wife gets a little upset sometimes, just a simple, honey, calm down. 
I, I say that in a soothing voice, and that's all it takes to get her really upset. <laughs> and then there's this. To the person who stole my antidepressants, I hope you're happy now. <laughs> that's it. Hat Masai for another day, another week. Can't believe it's Friday already. Until Monday, my friend, I pray you just have a great weekend. Be in church on Sunday. Yeah, that's where we need to be. Thank you again for being here today. God bless. Have yourself a great weekend.